0: Welcome to Storytime with Paul Doerr. This season of the podcast includes excerpts via live shows and in-studio recordings from my new book, I'm Leaving It and Other Stories. Some of the stories are true and some are not. I'll let you figure it out but they all hopefully have my trademark charm, wit, and profound wisdom. Purchase your copy of the entire book in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form at all major online booksellers. I also write a monthly newsletter that is both fun and insightful. To subscribe to the newsletter or for further information about the book, please visit PaulDoor.com. Today's story, The Cat and the Beetle. The man and the cat made a gentleman's agreement. Stay three meters from me at all times and we'll get along just fine. They even shook on it, hand to paw. As the man would soon see, the cat was not reliable when it came to deals made with the hand-paw shake. Perhaps the man should have made the cat sign an official notarized contract. Summer in Austin, Texas is hot, like disgusting hot. The man was in Austin for work, but also he was house-sitting for a friend. The plan was to take a local transit bus from the airport into the city and walk the rest of the way. If he didn't get lost, the walk should take about two hours. Halfway through the walk, the man regretted this course of action. The hotter he got the heavier his backpack became. After the first hour, the heat rose into his brain, making it fuzzy. Somehow he didn't get lost, but in this world of modern transportation, he questioned many of his decisions. As usually happened with this kind of journey, the arrival helped erase the past two hours of intense and thick heat. For the last 45 minutes of his walk, he focused on the house key that was hidden in a flower pot along the side of the house. What if the key wasn't there? where would he walk next? Would he just keep walking? When he arrived, there had to be 20 potted plants. He looked for the alloy plant, finally finding the key dug into the dirt of the third one. Inside the house, the man disabled the alarm, stood in the silence. Being used to apartment buildings, where the neighbor's dog could be heard like it was right in the room, the man was unaccustomed to all the silence and space, and the darkness If he didn't turn on the lights, he'd be in complete darkness. Unlike his apartment, where visual noise flooded through windows and the cracks between the doors and the walls. The silence. His apartment ran parallel to train tracks, the ear becomes deaf to the noise, and the trains were only noticed in their absence. The man took a few steps into the house, stopped, listened to the silence. few more steps, stopped, listened. He had everything he would need, Food in the fridge, a job to go to every day, a car to get to that job, a roof overhead. The most important thing he had was time. When do we ever have time anymore to just be in a place where no one really knows where you are? To bring things down to a base level, root out all the garbage in our heads and attempt to make sense of your place in the world. The man's routine started on the first day. He got up early, practiced Tai Chi and meditated for 10 minutes. These are things he had done in his life before, but he needed to reincorporate them, break away the physical and emotional scar tissue that had taken over his body. One of his goals for the week was to push through that initial period of returning to exercise, the first few days when his body cried out in opposition, only to thank him later. Having experience and training as an athlete, albeit many years ago, he understood that he needed to give his body time. Within a few days or weeks, he'd crossed that threshold of pain and transitioned into his body craving to be active. After almost dying in an accident and having someone close to him die, the last half year was dedicated to a lot of sitting around and waiting, eating lots of food that came prepared and processed or delivered. Takeout containers overflowed his apartment garbage cans. He had become obsessed with the existential detective shows, mostly from Britain. There was no shortage of these shows, and most of his nights consisted of eating takeout while watching a grisly murder being solved by a misanthropic depressive. He shouldn't have been drinking alcohol, but he was bored. A few beers here and there wouldn't hurt, but a few beers here and there in one night consecutively does. None of this did any good for his body or motivation. It was all to stop. The processed food, alcohol, cigarettes... The only thing he'd keep for now is cigarettes, one cigarette, to be precise, at night, on the patio, as he re-examined his place in the world. After Tai Chi and meditation, he ate breakfast and made his way to work. He put his head down and focused, ate the lunch of an avocado sandwich and celery sticks he made at home. He was trying to be more sympathetic to his body. For this particular project, He was just there, making sure a renovation was happening on time and on schedule. He spoke with the project manager every day. Every day things ran smoothly. There was nothing for him to do except sit and wait until it was time for him to return home. At night, more exercise that usually involved solo yoga. There was a space on the second floor between the bedrooms that had a shag carpet. The air was cooler here, and he was able to breathe. He wrote in a diary, something he hadn't done in many years. The diary was less a journal than a collection of the activities he undertook. He wanted to stay on top of things, to be more committed to something, committed to an ideal, a belief that he could become a better person. Later in the evening, he walked the neighborhood. The sun was down and the humidity wasn't so thick. Downtown wasn't too far away, and as he walked, Live music spilled out of bars, and people generally seemed to be having a great time. The poverty of America was never far away. All he had to do was slip down a side street, get off the main strip. He didn't mind the sweat or the heat as much when he knew where he was going. Before bed, the man sat outside on the patio, thinking and having his cigarette. The patio light was directly overhead, capturing the blue smoke in midair. A creek ran between his house and the neighbors. Everything was quiet at night, except the creek and the occasional car that drove down the street and the crinkling of his cigarettes when he took a drag. In the morning, the cat usually let the man know when it was feeding time. He purred his head off while keeping his three-meter distance away. The cat backed away, and the man filled his food bowl. He drank his coffee as the cat ate. On the second day, the cat violated the agreement. The man was practicing yoga, and when he held the position of downward-facing dog, the cat lightly stepped through the archway the man made with his body. He had to exit the position, swatting away the cat. Every time he went back into position, the cat crept within the three-meter radius. On the third day, while meditating in the morning, the man felt the cat approaching. Whiskers rubbed along his bare shin. It was as though the cat was a mischievous Buddha attempting to distract him from his practice. What the man failed to recognize was that the cat wasn't trying to distract him. With his owners gone, he wanted affection, wanted someone to pet him, rub under his chin, acknowledge him. Years ago, the man rented a room and a house. The owners got a kitten, and it terribly misbehaved, ripping up curtains, clawing away at skin. The man was never a cat person. After a few weeks, the kitten poked its head into his bedroom at night and soon slept on the end of his bed. The man came to be friends with the kitten. When it came time for the man to move out, he made the decision to ask the owners if he could bring the kitten with him, as they had no love for it. What he didn't know was on that day, they decided they had enough of the kitten and its claws. They had put it to sleep for being mischievous. The man never wanted to love another cat again. On the fourth morning, the man said goodbye to the cat. While eating his lunch, he wondered what the cat was up to at home. When he returned, he said hello and inquired about his day. The cat joined him outside on the patio at night for a cigarette. Sometimes they both sat there watching a spider spinning its web. Sometimes the man watched the cat chase beetles that scurried up between the floorboards of the patio. Soon... They quietly talked about a great many things. "'Why did he have to die?' the man asked. "'Because we all die,' said the cat. "'It was his time.' "'That's a bullshit answer,' said the man. "'It might be bullshit, but it's the truth.' The man wasn't good with bugs, so when a beetle crawled over the top of his bare foot, he jumped, took his sandal in hand, and slammed down hard on the fast-moving insect. Down and down again, he lost control, "'violently attacking the insect. "'The beetle flipped onto its back, "'and its tentacles reached towards him. "'He slammed the sandal down again and again and again. "'He lost all sense of where he was, "'the house, his work, Austin. "'All that mattered was not only killing the beetle, "'but obliterating it. "'Returning to Austin, to the house, "'sweating from the exertion, "'the beetle squished against the wood, The man looked up to find the cat sitting on its rump, head peaked to the side, watching him with unblinking eyes. They stood like this for a while, until finally the man slumped down into his chair, tears silently running down his cheek, his left hand shielding his face from judgment. The cat slowly walked over, rubbed his furry head around his ankles in an infinity symbol. The cat was letting the man know that it was okay, It was the beetle's time. After sitting out there for a long time, the man went inside, returning with some paper towel to clean up the beetle carcass. On the final night, the man arrived home, said hello to the cat, but there was no movement in the house. Sometimes the cat wanted to be outside for the day. Out on the patio, still no sign of the cat. He leaned over the fence that ran parallel to the creek. The patio jutted out from the top of a hill, the hill quite a steep slant towards the creek. The man looked over the railing, immediately caught the eye of the cat whose left front paw seemed to be stuck between two heavy rocks. The man climbed the fence, slid down the hill, stopping right beside the cat. When he tried to move the cat, it cried out in pain. The man slowed his breathing, took the free paw in his hand, rubbed the top of his head, "'trying to calm it down. "'The man was brought back to the hospital room, "'where he held his father's hand, "'rubbing the top of his head as he lay unconscious. "'His father was sedated, "'but if he asked him questions, "'he responded with a squeeze of the hand. "'I should be doing better,' said the man. "'Hand squeeze. "'I could be doing more with my life. "'Hand squeeze. "'It was his time to die. "'It wasn't time for the cat to die.' This is going to hurt, the man told the cat, but only for a moment. He lifted the rocks off the cat's paw, gently pulling it free. The cat ran away up the hill, stopped at the top to look back at the man. For a brief moment, he saw something other than the cat. He saw that the cat held a kind of simple truth, one that seemed to continually elude the man. In spending so much time attempting to understand, to process, to make sense of the past, It only kept unraveling further. One fleeting moment. He couldn't exactly put his finger on what it was or what it meant. He decided not even to try. The cat only meowed furiously. It was time to eat. Thank you for listening. Again, if you'd like to purchase a copy of I'm Leaving It, or any of my other books. They are available at most online booksellers. The live performances were originally performed and recorded at the monthly storytelling event, Stories We Don't Tell. To learn more about Stories We Don't Tell, head over to storieswedonttell.org. For everything else, please visit pauldor.com.